grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's been a whirlwind this week, hasn't it, Rach? Oh, so much going on yet again. <laughs> so Yeah, so much going on. And not just for the Royals, but in my my life, I, I'm so busy. I, yeah, I don't even know my own name <laughs> at some points <laughs> in the day. But we're here, we're rocking and rolling. And one thing we would like to say is thank you so much for all of your lovely opinions over on Instagram about our episode last week of Did Megan Lie, episode 36. Some people agreed with us, some people didn't, and that's completely fine. Yeah, I mean, as we've said before, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, aren't they? And Megan is quite a polarising subject, as we've discussed before. So on Instagram, we had lots of the Royal Community message us and uh, leave us a comment about what they thought. Rach, what's some of the comments that we got over there? So these are just a few that we've picked out. If you want to see more of the comments, then head on over to our Instagram. And um, we had one that said, she may have stretched the truth a bit. I don't think she lied about everything, but definitely tweaked some things. And I think, to be honest, listening to that um, comment, it's kind of how I felt about it. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel like she lied about everything, but also there was bits that felt really icky to me. <laughs> so, And we had another person message us saying, I've seen all emails now from both sides that were released this morning. It's also interesting that we didn't know that her texts were deleted automatically from her phone, but not Jason. Why was his phone messages not deleted too? I'm glad that her barristers asked the judge to release all emails and messages in context. Also, why was Jason telling Megan her dad's heart attack was maybe untrue? Very sneaky of Kensington Palace and Jason Knapp. Mm. And then we had some people saying great episodes. So thanks so much for that. <laughs> it didn't feel like a great episode for me. It felt really like I was really panicky the whole day before I pressed record. <laughs> I did. And we had a comment saying, yes, of course she did. The evidence is crystal clear and it's piling up minute by minute. We're all divided. The royal community are divided. But thank you so much for coming over to our Instagram page at keeping up with the Windsor's pods. Yeah. And sharing your views with us. We also mentioned two amazing things last week. First was our coming up soon YouTube channel. And our first video will be going up this week. We thought it was last week, but my, my schedule's really, really busy, but it'll definitely be this week. And also if you would like to support the podcast and buy Rachel and I a coffee, you can do that over on Kofi, which is like Patreon. I'll put all of the details in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here royal community rach give us the update then on the megan appeal in the courts our thoughts and views were based on the court case that was not finished and that today we would give a little roundup of what happened to finish off that court case so we had more text messages between jason Knaff and megan which were released and in a text message to jason where megan's called tilly <laughs> Oh, which I found quite bizarre. Why? That's a code name, I think. Oh, maybe. <laughs> what would your code name be, Rach? Oh, um, oh, what's what's the name Phoebe and Friends, but she changes her name to? Oh, um, Consuela Banana Hammock or something. <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> I'd be something like um, bourbon biscuit or something. <laughs> so we had, an, as, as I said, we had another text message. And I think this is interesting to read this whole text message because you're seeing Megan's side compared to what was released previously because it all ties together. So this is directly from Megan. I'm currently in Toronto and have drafted a letter to have mailed to my dad. I share this with you in confidence, the letter itself and its contents. My plan is to write it by hand and then FedEx it to blank, who will then mail it to my father. My thinking behind this is unlike a text or email, it can't be forwarded or cut and pasted only to share one small portion. The catalyst for doing this is seeing how much pain this is causing H. Even after a week with his dad and endlessly explaining the situation, his family seemed to forget the context and revert to, can't you just go and see him and make this stop? They fundamentally don't understand. So at least by writing, H can say to his family, she wrote him a letter and he's still doing it. But taking this form of action, I protect my husband from this constant berating. And while unlikely, perhaps it will give my father a moment to pause. Obviously, everything I've drafted is with the understanding that that it could be leaked. So that is the part that we mentioned last week. That's part of the text message. But obviously, that whole part before we didn't have when we recorded last week's episode. Yeah. And remember when we recorded and obviously that's our recording day, we can't do it any other because we won't get it out on time. But when we did, that was a time where I don't know if it's like the defense or the acute, I, I never know which one it is, but it's basically the ANL's lawyers that were fighting their case. But now we've got Megan's side of things. So what are you thinking about this, this text message then, Rach? Well, the thing that really stood out to me is um, when she's saying the constant berating, you know, she's saying that she sends in the letter so she can protect Harry so that she can say to his family, you know, she's done she's done all she can and he's still doing this. Like we've asked him to stop, but he's still doing it. What more can we do? Mm. So in that sense, I understand where Megan's coming from with this. And I understand why she's done it in a letter form now reading that. But personally, I don't think it should have been written by letter. Like, I just still don't understand why she couldn't have gone in person. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, having a father-daughter kind of conversation, it's a lot of things can be misconstrued in a letter, can't they? Because it's just it's just the written word. So yeah. I I don't know. I I mean, if she knew it was going to get leaked then that would possibly have a detrimental effect on her down the line. Yeah, definitely. And I think last week we mentioned why now, why is Jason Knauf given a statement now? And it was also revealed that the ANL was contacted by a confidential source close to Jason after the ruling in Meghan's favour, indicating that he regretted giving evidence. And Jason's legal team told ANL that his position was strictly neutral and he did not want to be involved in the litigation. But then after the result of the court hearing, ANL was contacted by the source and the legal team then approached Mr. Knaf, who at this point wanted to give evidence. So before he did want to give evidence and then now he does. And when he did give evidence, he was given it of his own free will. Basically, if you're called to court, you've got to go to court regardless. It's like in America, you're subpoenaed. It's, it's that, isn't it? Yeah. And a solicitor for the ANL said 
Mr. Knauf was plainly a central figure in the events he describes. He was a senior and trusted member of the Royal Household staff, and he continues to occupy an important position as CEO of the Royal Foundation. Mm. His witness statement is measured in tone, and he has been careful not to include evidence of matters beyond his own personal knowledge. Yeah, I mean, with the court case now, Megan's side has been heard and also ANL's side has been heard. So we're going to wait a couple more weeks until we get a, a ruling, basically, of whether this goes to the main courts or whether the appeal has been lost. So let's do our little final roundup then. Now we've heard everything in its entirety. Has it changed your mind, Rach? Has it made you think that what you said in episode 36 was unfair or would you have changed your mind had you have known those not changed your mind but would you have said things differently if you'd have known all of the the things in advance I don't think I would have changed my mind but I do empathize with the fact that you know she was writing it it seems to protect Harry that's how it's come across anyway in that text message that I've read Mm. but I don't think it would have changed my overall opinion I still think the same I still think yes she was maybe violated in the sense that her private letter was used for public consumption. But then again, I agree with the ANL in the fact that it was written for public consumption. Yeah. So in that sense, my opinion hasn't changed at all. Yeah. And I, I feel, again, you know, very conflicted about it, but I, I actually think the same as you, Rach. I do empathize with Megan. However, I kind of put myself not in 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 the extreme of marrying into the royal family but like for me and my husband and if there was something that my family were doing that you know my husband's family disapproved of then I would just go and speak to them and say look this is the situation you know you're really showing me up here what's going on (laughs) you know I don't think a letter would have cut it for my family I know every family's different I know that that's not the case I know she was in extreme conditions when it comes to press intrusion mental health but I don't know I I feel the same way as you you know why have all that money at your disposal if you cannot use it to go abroad and see your dad, because I think he lives in New Mexico, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think this is going to go to the courts? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because, you know, there's there's three judges that are ruling on this court case to determine this. And I just don't know. Obviously, they have all the statements now. They have all the text messages or all, all the emails. But it'll be interesting to see, is this it? Is this the end of it? Or are we going to have more that comes out from this? I just I just don't know. I think this, if this does go to the courts, it'll be a Pandora's box. Yeah, and I think as well, if it does go to the courts, this is when all of the bullying claims will come into the public domain. I think that the bullying allegations are being investigated and they should be out sometime next year. And that would possibly coincide with the court case, which would possibly coincide with the Platinum Jubilee, which would possibly coincide with Harry's memoir, which could possibly coincide with Andrew's case in America. My head's spinning, Rach. (laughs) My head's spinning. Oh, to be a part of that family right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, oh. We're going to get on to the Queen's health in a second, but I just want to give the Queen a hug. Anyway, that's our little wrap up of Meghan's appeal hearing in the British appeals courts. And, you know, watch this space, Royal Community. We will keep you up to date when we know more information. Well, that's it for um, our little roundup with Meghan. But let's go into the main roundup of this week. So let's do it. (laughs) 
So it was royal birthdays all around this week as Peter Phillips turned 44. And if you didn't know, Peter is the eldest child of the Princess Royal and Prince Charles celebrated his 73rd birthday as well. Yay, so happy birthday to Peter and to the Prince of Wales. Amazing stuff. We've had quite a few birthdays recently. Birthday Bonanza. Birthday, oh, we had a birthday Bonanza episode before, didn't we? Um, We also had the cutest engagement with the Countess of Wessex and so many Labrador puppies. Rage, did you see the pictures of her with the the guide dogs? Oh, this was just the cutest thing. I mean, I would have loved to have gone to this engagement. Honestly, it was amazing. Sophie was visiting the guide dog national center to see the progress of the puppies in training to become guide dogs in helping blind and partially sighted people and you know sophie's got patronages to do with blindness and um you know improving sight and sophie is patron of the charity and it was absolutely glorious so if you haven't seen the socials get over to the royal family socials and have a look at these lovely puppies and there was one bite in her hair wasn't there i was like i love puppies so much (laughs) so cute (laughs) the earl of wessex attended on behalf of the queen the 11th session of the general synod this is the national assembly for the church of england this assembly is where legislative measures are passed and the queen is there to formally confirm them Edward delivered a speech on Her Majesty's behalf, which read, None of us can slow the passage of time. And whilst we often focus on all that has changed in the intervening years, much remains unchanged, including the gospel of Christ and his teachings. They were supposed to attend this together, weren't they? They were. And we heard when Prince Philip passed away that they, we were going to see a lot more in-person engagements with other members of the family, with the Queen. And obviously this was one of those. So, yeah, it's just really unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah. And I think as well, we know that the Queen is a deeply religious person and she really respects her faith. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's an important part, part of her life is her faith. So for her to miss something like that, it's quite um, telling, isn't it? it? I mean, it's it's unheard of, really, for the Queen. You know, as part of the Queen's duty, a part of her role, when she was anointed, she was also anointed Defender of the Faith and Supreme Governor of the Church of England. So that title, it actually dates back to the 16th century. And that she does not take lightly. You know, she that is a heavy burden. And she, you know, she's deeply religious, obviously. And so this would have been a very important date that she would have, it would have been penciled in probably at the start. And she wasn't there. But more about the Queen <laughs> coming up a bit later in the Royal News. Catherine took a visit to the Imperial War Museum to view Generations, the portrait of the Holocaust exhibition. Now, two of Catherine's images appeared in the exhibition and the exhibition was made up of like 50 other pictures. And we also covered that in a few episodes ago. I'll pop that in the show notes below if you do want to click on that and listen to more of that episode. It was so wonderful because Catherine met uh, the people that she photographed, Ziggy and Manfred, and with their families as well. And I saw this and (laughs) she said, oh, I really want to hug you. And he's like, can I hug you? Am I allowed to (laughs) hug you? I was just thought it was such an amazing amazing moment and she was so gracious and I remember she was holding Ziggy's hands and Ziggy said to her your hands are so cold and she was like my hands are always cold so I have something in common with Catherine my hands are always cold always cold (laughs) always cold and what I really loved about this engagement 
So when she met Manfred, she was having a conversation and he said, oh, I want to give you this. And it was a letter that was written by an American soldier to his mother that he'd helped during the war. And I just thought that was so touching that he he thought of Catherine thinking, oh, maybe she'd like to see this. Exactly. I know. And what was lovely is we found out that Catherine had met Ziggy and Manfred in an engagement in 2017 and she stayed in contact with them and have, you know, have been part of this exhibition. It must be so surreal to you know, personally for, you know, photograph somebody and then it being an exhibition and obviously an exhibition was so much importance. And what I loved about it was generations because so many Jewish people, the generations of Jewish people were wiped out in World War II. And it was just so wonderful to celebrate the new generations of Jewish families that are surviving now and passing on their faith. Yeah, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful engagement. And I just really loved it. Alexander McQueen uh, blouse that she wore. But, you know, that was very secondary to the amazing engagement. So we had more investitures this week at Windsor Castle, where Prince William and the Princess Royal awarded honours. It was just nice to see ordinary people and some celebrities, including the stylist and campaigner Gokwan. Yeah. He is quite famous over here in the UK. Um, he's been in, on TV for years, hasn't he? He has. He's been campaigning a lot for body positivity, for, you know, bullying, that type of thing. And obviously he's he's like a fashion Guru. stylist. Yeah, yeah, on TV. So when, I, I mean, I've walked past Gokwan in, in Leicester Square and I got a bit starstruck. I was like, oh, there's Gokwan. <laughs> And also this week, the Royal Collection Trust revealed that there will be several exhibits next year to celebrate the Platinum Jubilee, marking significant occasions in Her Majesty's reign, including the accession, the coronation and jubilees. So at Buckingham Palace, there's going to be portraits of the Queen taken by Dorothy Wilding and personal jewellery from Her Majesty's collection worn in the official portrait sittings. And these are the ones, Shell, that we know from the stamps here in the UK. Nice. And Michelle, get ready. Go on, more. We're getting a tiara moment. We are getting a what? tiara moment. And it's one <laughs> Which of, one? And it's one of our favourites. It's the princess one, is it? It's the Which girl, one? It's the girls of Great Britain and Ireland. Yes, it's my favourite one! <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite one the Queen holds. Let's put it that way. Oh, I love this tiara. I didn't know about this. I'm so excited. So we need to get tickets for Buckingham Palace because they're oh. going to sell like hotcakes, aren't they? Now, this tiara is actually the tiara she wears in um, on our postage stamps. Yeah. That is the tiara. So, oh, I didn't know about this and I'm so excited. I can't wait. I <laughs> can't wait to just stand there for half an hour just looking at one <laughs> diamond sparkling. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So at Windsor Castle on display is going to be the coronation dress and the robe of estates, which we saw a few years ago, didn't we? A celebration of her golden jubilee. We did, yeah. Now, was the robe of estate there? I can't remember seeing that. I thought it was just the dress. I can't remember. I don't think it was there. Yeah, I think it was just the dress. So that would be really cool to see, won't it? Yeah. I mean, that dress is absolutely stunning. It's fit for a queen it is absolutely beautiful Norman Hartwell oh absolutely fantastic stuff also at the Palace of Holyrood House there's going to be yeah I want to go I don't know what it is there's going to be displays of outfits worn by the queen on her silver golden and diamond jubilees I'm there I mean if there's any time to visit Scotland that's the time (laughs) 
<laughs> right? And I want to go to the also- I want to go to the the Royal Britannia Museum. I want to go there too. <laughs> and it was also announced that the Royal Muse at Buckingham Palace, where the carriages which are still used for royal occasions are going to be on display and this will be the first time since autumn 2020. Yeah I've been around the muse quite a few times and it's so wonderful I mean you get to see some of the queen's horses as well and it's so exciting. (laughs) Although I am allergic to horses so (laughs) but yeah you get to see the gold carriage don't you You and it's absolutely amazing but we do know from the queen herself that she said it's not comfortable to ride in. It's not because apparently they've got no suspension so every bump is like ow ow ow. Yeah, but the one thing I would say about the Royal Muse is it's where basically they hold the carriages, the cars and the horses. So any kind of transport that will be at the Royal Muse. And what's wonderful about it is when you go through the stable area, when the Queen's away, all the the horses get moved to either Windsor or to different estates. But they keep, I think, two or three horses there and the stables are immaculate. You have never seen a cleaner stable than the Queen's stables. <laughs> I'm so excited, Rach. I mean, I'm loving the fact that we're having dribs and drabs and every single one, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. I need to start saving my pennies because <laughs> that money's going to be spent next year. Who who cares about Christmas? Let's just go all, <laughs> all out for the Platinum Jubilee. <laughs> that That is our Christmas, right? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. It's my Christmas present to you and your Christmas present to me. <laughs> so um, we heard a couple of weeks back that the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall will be going to Jordan and Egypt on order of the British government. And it's to do with the Royal Autumn 2020 tour. And guess what? They arrived. They arrived this week and we saw them on some lovely engagements. They touched down in Amman. And what I loved about this, Rach, did you see on the socials, they had a a video of the plane touching down. And I thought, oh, come on, Clarence House socials. We've seen a plane landing out of somebody's window view. Come on, we need a bit more than this. And then all (laughs) of a sudden, it was the back view of Charles and Camilla going down the stairs. I was like, yes. That's what we want to see, a bit of behind the scenes footage. Yeah. So I I did, I did kind of in my head slag them off for a little bit. And then I realized, <laughs> no, they're doing an excellent job. <laughs> so if you do want to see that to understand what I'm going on about, head to Clarence House on Twitter. <laughs> um, what was wonderful is they got greeted by His Majesty King Abdullah II and Her Majesty Queen Reina at Al Husinia. Palace. I'm so sorry if I pronounced that wrong. What I also liked on the socials, right, we were treated to older photographs of Charles and Camilla on their previous tours. And Camilla, did you see her? She was holding a parasol. I was like, that is like so upper class to have a parasol. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, to be fair, if you've ever been, I mean, me personally, I've been to Egypt and it is hotter than the sun (laughs) it's so hot and I I personally took an umbrella with me yeah when I when I went round like when I was in the valley of the kings for example I actually had an umbrella because it was so hot and that was the only thing there's no there's no shade in places like that so you do need that protection and I burn like you know a crispy chicken so (laughs) (laughs) if you've ever seen any of our videos I'm pay your ass so. <laughs> but what's funny is you ended up with an umbrella but Camilla trumped you with a parasol yeah. <laughs> a parasol like she was like Mary Poppins or something yeah. 
We will be covering more of Charles and Camilla's tour next week, but I thought I'd give you a little snapshot of what's happened the last couple of days. Camilla went on a tour of the Queen Rainer Foundation Centre, where teenage girls were receiving life skills workshops to build their assertiveness and self-esteem. And what I loved about the foundation, Rach, is they support local artisan women and they make handmade items that are sold all over the world. And then it's said that they actually sell to Ikea. Yeah. So if you're buying things like the artisan uh, goods in Ikea, they're supported by the foundation, which was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And we also saw Charles and Camilla visiting the Baptist site in Jordan. And this is believed to be the place where John the Baptist lived and believed to be the place that John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ as someone who will be the defender of the faith when he does get anointed. This is an extremely meaningful place. I know it's a pilgrimage for loads of people uh, from different faiths as well. And they touch the water. You could see there's a video of them touching the water. And every, oh, just as, as Charles dipped his hand in, the cameras were like, shh. <laughs> and then just as Ca- Camilla touched the water, she was like, shh, <laughs> with the camera shutters. But it's such a momentous moment. And I don't know if you know this, Shell, but um, Charles was actually gifted 72 bottles of the holy water as a gift from the site for future christenings of royal babies. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. And I think royal babies have been christened with that water previously, haven't they, in the past yes. when they've been on tours. But how many bottles? 70 what? 72. Was it that they were trying to do like his many years and then he turned 73? Or he's already 73 when he got there? What's the significance about the 72 number? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking well, he's, he's 72 slash 73 now. Maybe they went with his years. But anyway, that's a wonderful gift, isn't it? Yeah, I, I thought it was a um, really nice touch and um, really sentimental and obviously important for the people that follow that religion. So that's as much as we got at the moment from Charles and Camilla's tour their autumn tour to Jordan and Egypt I'm so excited about this tour I'm really excited to see what engagements they get up to whilst they're in Jordan and Egypt yeah and I think from what we've seen so far all of them have been really interesting I particularly liked when Camilla was going to the Queen Rainier Foundation Centre she was actually driven by Queen Rainier in her Tesla yes Skill power! Which you don't really see very often in the sense of, you know, over here, you wouldn't see Charles or Camilla driving to their own engagement. I love that, Rach. I mean, I would love to see Catherine driving up to uh, the National Portrait Gallery, just stepping out. (laughs) I mean, first of all, let's find a parking space (laughs) in London. As we said, we will be covering more of Charles and Camilla's tour next week. Yeah. Can I also just make a really slight little point before we move into the Royal News? I was fangirling so hard over Queen Rainier's gold belt. Did you see it? Yes. She had a white dress on and a gold belt. I'm like, I need that in my wardrobe. I thought it was beautiful. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going (laughs) to say. I've said my piece on the gold belt. So that's it for the Royal Roundup this week. Now let's move on to the Royal News. So this week in the Royal News, we're going to be covering Remembrance Weekend and also the Queen. Here in Britain, we honour those that have previously served or lost their lives during World War I and onwards and to recognise those that are still serving today and for all that they have given for our country. 
So to start with, to commemorate Remembrance Day, Catherine met with Colonel David Bloom OBE and Cub Scout Emily Edge to hear about their different experiences. The meeting took place earlier this month at the Royal Hospital Chelsea in London to mark the creation of a new Scout Centenary Remembrance Badge. And this year marks 100 years of the Royal British Legion. And the Colonel explained to Catherine that it was a time in which he reflected on his own service as well as remembered loved ones. And when he was asked about his experience, he said, I lost a few friends. One in particular, I remember he was killed a day or two before the war ended. That, I must say, affected me quite a bit. Mm. Uh, did you see this video? I watched the whole thing on... If you if you want to watch it, your royal community, you can watch the whole thing over on YouTube, which I did. But for me, Shell. The shining star was 10-year-old Emily. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic young lady she is. Um, So she received her centenary remembrance badge for all the work she's been doing around the event, including poppy displays and parades. And she just come across so respectful. And I thought she was just such a real credit to the Scout Society. She really was. And I think when you think of Scouts, you think of boys because scouts mm-hmm. used to be boys when we were growing up it's now become more inclusive so anyone can be a scout and to be honest if i was a child now i'd be a scout i would it seems amazing you get all these badges i love positive reinforcement so bring it on <laughs> uh, to be fair it's really hard to get into the scouts is it really yeah my nephew's been on the wait list for about two years now for our wow. local area wowzers as you know i cried i cried i mean when Colonel David Bloom was talking. Oh, it just reminded me of my grandpa telling me stories about the war. And his, you know, my grandpa's stories were harrowing. And listening to this, you know, this man who's in his 90s, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. You just want to sit with him for hours and just listen. What I loved was how respectful each one was. We heard Emily, then we heard from the Colonel, then we heard from the Duchess. And it was such a lovely way to have an intergenerational conversation. But then guess what happened, Rach? What? The Duchess gave the badge (laughs) to Emily. And I don't think she realised that was going to happen. And I was like, hang on a minute, what's happening here? And she was like, I got something special for you, Emily. I was like, she's going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, no, this is, this is, you know, this is the Duchess. It's got to be a Scouts badge. Yeah. Oh, it was so nice, wasn't it? I really enjoyed seeing and hearing this engagement. As we said, you can go over to YouTube and watch that in full. I will put a link, if it allows me, to the YouTube um, in the show notes. On Saturday, we saw numerous royals at the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall. Now, Shell, this is one occasion where I do cry. I'm not a crier, you know this. It takes something... Hold really, the phone! Yeah, it takes <laughs> something really, you know, something to get me going. But this always does make me cry. Yeah. Um. And because it's just such an emotional occasion that includes and remembers all the regiments of the armed forces from obviously the First World War up until today. And it's about not just remembering those who have gone before us, but, you know, the people that are serving today. And, you know, Shell, I love Take That. Oh, you love Take That. They're my favourite group. But why was Alfie Bow singing Greatest Day? It was just to me, it just did not fit like at all. This is a sombre occasion. And I just thought this was a, such a bad song choice. Yeah. It mm. was just really bizarre. And um, didn't you think, I mean, me personally, it was really strange when everyone was standing up for the national anthem and the Queen wasn't there. 
and it you know everyone turned and it was like the the camera kept cutting to Charles and I was like this is strange Mm. not because it I mean one it's strange because it's Charles and eventually it's going to happen and we will be singing our national anthem to him but to know that the queen is still with us Mm -hmm. and you know the fact that she wasn't there and you know it was reported that she hadn't there's only so many times in history where she's missed this event and this is one of them and I just thought this was like a really significant moment I just thought wow it's just going to be so strange when it does happen the queen passing and we're singing our national anthem to Charles Charles I know um yeah because in you start your brain starts to connect that that won't be the way life is anymore mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we will be singing that and it won't be queen anymore and guess what it won't be queen for generations to come and it never in our lifetime again will it be never queen. in our lifetime again and that's so like it's it's monumental and it will be life-changing I think even people who are not massively royal or you know real fans they it'll be reverberated on a social level you you it will have undercurrents regardless of whether people like the royals or not it will it can't it can't not have you know she's always been there oh yeah so on sunday we were expecting to see the queen at the cenotaph and about an hour or so before there was a press release from buckingham palace and it said the queen having sprained her back has decided this morning with great regret that she will not be able to attend today's Remembrance Sunday service at the Cenotaph. Her Majesty is disappointed that she will miss this service. Now, if you've watched this or have watched in the past, you know that during the service, everyone remains standing. If the Queen has sprained her back, like they said, there's no way a 95-year-old woman could be standing for an hour or so. It's just not possible. And for her to be driving as well, because obviously she's at Windsor, for her to be driving back to London, like, I think she's made the right decision there. You know, we've we've heard that this is one of the most important engagements in her calendar. So naturally, people were quite worried and concerned that the fact that she wasn't attending. And to be fair, she was probably sitting at home with feet up, having a cup of tea, mm. watching it on TV, yeah. wasn't she? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know she would probably be absolutely distraught that she wasn't there. Because like you said, Rach, it's one of those events that she holds dear and will, unless she's pregnant (laughs) or abroad somewhere on a tour, she's made every single one of them in the whole of her monarchy. So this was a big deal. And previously to this, she has been ill. And it just felt like, oh, and there's another thing. And we just want as much, you know, long life, like long live the queen, uh, you know, make sure she's okay. But also, like you said, Rach, if that is the case and she sprained her back, and I have to say it, do I trust Buckingham Palace anymore (laughs) (laughs) with their statements? I'm like, "Mm." Um, but, you know, taking on face value with her sprain in her back, that isn't a good atmosphere. And no, you're right. It wouldn't be given the the true respect that is needed uh because she couldn't stand but then I wouldn't have minded her being a wheelchair but that would also send a signal to everyone yeah you know and maybe the best thing was for her to sit sit this one out 
unfortunately because it's such an important event yeah and i think as well the fact that the royal british legion are celebrating their 100th anniversary yeah she probably would have really have liked to have been there for that i mean the queen she she was the first female member of the royal family to serve during world war ii and when she joined the auxiliary territorial service in 1945 yeah. So she has been a part of that service. Obviously, she wasn't on the front line, but you know, back in back during the war, everybody did their bit and the Queen did that. I mean, we saw we seen depictions of that in the crown, haven't we? Where she was we have, yeah. in Kenya, yeah. fixing the car, because that's what she did during she the did. war. She she fixed cars. And you know what? This brings me on to another question, actually, Rach. You know, women can be in the military services now, and we always see that the royals go into the military do you think charlotte's gonna go into the military when she's older oh that'd be interesting i don't know i mean to be fair we don't really know a lot about charlotte do we at this point so i think it would just be interesting to see what happens like as she gets older and um I don't know. what do you think to be honest i think it would be an excellent thing for her to do just because if she is going into a life of service then the military are laying down their lives in order to protect our country and the monarchy and she's a part of that. And I think most of the royals have been a part of, you know, the senior royals have been a part of the military. So in my head, it just kind of makes sense that she would. But who knows? So on Remembrance Sunday, we saw Charles lay down a wreath on behalf of Her Majesty and then his own. And a lot of people were saying how sad and emotional he looked, saying it was because of the Queen. Now, if you've watched any Remembrance Sunday service, the royals or anybody that attends these services always look sad, you know, always look sad and emotional because it's a somber occasion. You're there to honour those who have served so we can have our freedom today. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be standing around smiling. So a lot, but a lot of people were saying, oh, it was because of the Queen, like something going on with the Queen. And I had some people messaging me saying, oh, I think, you know, the, que- the Queen's seriously ill. Mm-hmm. But then today, as we're recording this podcast, we've seen her at Windsor Castle having an in-person audience haven't we and I think they've done that on purpose to reassure people that the queen is still with us yeah she's you know she sprained her back and she's she did lose her husband this year that takes so much toll on you know on your body on your mental your emotional state I think she should just take a little break you know it's fine and I think as well you hear these stories of couples that have been together for years and one passes away and not long after the other one passes away because they just don't know life any other way without that person who knows what's going to happen I mean we've seen Charles today in Jordan he was asked about the queen and he said she's all right thank you very much once you get to 95 it's not quite as easy as it used to be it's bad enough at 73 (laughs) (laughs) I was just like oh you know, Char- I mean, Charles is obviously 73, you know, he needs to put his feet up, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. But they, again, the royals, they have this sense of service and this sense of duty where they, I, I think in a way, they probably feel bad if they're not out doing engagements because it's like, well, you know, what, what is the point of us being here? What is the point of us as the royal family if we're not doing these things? Yeah, because I mean, you don't see Catherine or Camilla or the queen in Harrods having a good old shopping spree on the day off <laughs> that's just not what they do no. so you know they don't have a normal life and even even though they're rich they still don't have a normal rich person's life either so uh, yeah sending best wishes to her majesty let's hope she's back to you know 
a comfortable amount of engagements. But it was also wonderful to see the Countess and Earl of Wessex step up a little bit and have a bit more of a, a, a central role uh, within the family. So we're just going to have to brace ourselves and just hope that, you know, the Queen... Her, her mum died at what, 101, 102? Yes. So she, yeah. she, she's got great genes. We've still got plenty <laughs> of years we're left with the Queen. I'm sure as long as her health stays all good, we're, we're fine. I have to admit that I didn't watch the concert. Um, I was really busy and I haven't actually managed to get around to it. I'll probably put it on. Um, actually, I probably won't now because I'll cry. But Sunday uh, with the Cenotaph, I ran out of my box of tissues, so I had to use some toilet paper. That's how much <laughs> I cried. And then the BBC put on a gentleman talking about his experiences in Afghanistan and he lost his sight. And he said that he lost all sense of like his identity and what he was here for. And all of a sudden he got into jujitsu and now he's doing all these competitions and these training people. And I cried my eyes out because what an inspiration that gentleman is and how like you, we can't ever thank him enough for his service. We're talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that have died, injured, still working in military that's what remembrance day is we're here to say thank you yeah but i do have to say something oh right on the day 11 11 when <laughs> it was like the two minute silence i found myself in the bathroom aisle of b&m <laughs> doing a two minute silence so if you're all this thinking if you, you don't have b&m where you are it's like a homeware store. Um, it sells food and stuff, but it's mostly like homeware. So a bit like Michael's, that type of thing. And I was just stood there, like doing my two, and I was trying to hold in my emotions because I always find two minutes silence really. <laughs> I kind of hid myself by the bathroom scales. Like, uh. <laughs> what are you like? One thing I wanted to mention, there was a lot of people discussing the fact that on the balcony, it was Camilla, Catherine and Sophie and saying, oh, Catherine took the place of the Queen. You know, she's standing front and centre. And it was like, no, no. it's going in order <laughs> of the seniority. Yeah. So obviously you've got Camilla, who is Queen Consort in waiting, yeah. then Catherine and then Sophie. It's not like it's not like in school where they put them in high order. It's it's all it's all yeah. I won't say importance, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah, but some people are making such a big deal about the fact that Catherine was in the middle, and it was like, no. actually, no, that's not that's not the reason why she was in the middle. It doesn't work like that, you know. If the Princess Royal was there, then Sophie would have moved over, and the Princess Royal would have been there. But she was putting a a reef down, wasn't she, on the sanitaire? So yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And there was again on Sunday, there was quite a few. Royal there so you had the duke of kent princess alexandra you have the gloucesters sir timothy lawrence putting down reese you had prince charles prince william princess anne prince edward it was a family affair apart from the queen <laughs> it really was yeah i'm sure a ladies and waiting yeah. people are busy you know nice bit of apple crumble and custard by yeah. the telly i'm sure she was fine yeah so that's it for this week's episode royal community we hope you enjoyed it 
yeah, feel free to come over to Instagram at Keeping Up With The Windsor's Pod. If you'd like to buy us a coffee and support the podcast, head over to Kofi. Um, on our Instagram, there'll be links to Kofi in our link tree, also to our YouTube channel and also in the show notes. So if you ever get stuck, just head to the show notes and we'll help you out that way. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you next week on Keeping, Keeping Up With The, the Windsor's. Windsor's.